contact the authorities because it is time for Do We Like Murder, a segment of the Long Overdue Podcast, a production of the Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. I'm Chris, and I'm here to hear more tales of true and horrendous events from Denise Hi. and Dawn. Hello. Please don't call the cops. I know. I was like, <laughs> don't call them on us. What is this all about? <laughs> of course, I guess they could come in and talk with us about all this. That would be okay. I mean, we already know the cops. <laughs> it's true. If you work at a public library, it's always good to have a... And we've had the sheriff mm-hmm. come and talk with us a couple of times, a few times, actually. We've had forensic guy come and talk with us, mm-hmm. Mr. Tim Lampkin. Mm-hmm. So I think we are well acquainted with the police. What? You're thinking awful hard. Um, I just... <laughs> <laughs> just say it. Like if it's not something that can be out and about, I'll delete it. I was just thinking of songs, a oh. bunch of songs <laughs> <laughs> by the police. By the police. <laughs> okay. So what book did you read, Denise? I read Imperfect Justice, Prosecuting Casey Anthony Oh, by Jeff Ashton, mm. who was one of the prosecutors. And we've talked about her a little bit before. A little we? bit, yeah. yes. Okay. Okay. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> Mine is called A Killer Among Us. And it's written by Charles Bosworth Jr. And I listened to the audio, mm-hmm. and it was read by Kevin Pierce. He did a pretty good job. So, yeah, um, Jeff Ashton read the audiobook for his, which is available on Libby. We have the print book here in the library and the audiobook on Libby. Okay, and mine I think is just on Libby. We do not have a copy in here, which was really difficult because I was not able to take notes. Mm-hmm. So. Can't dog ear those pages. No, and uh, and, and it doesn't whole. really let you do like the note function on audiobooks either. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like if you're lo- reading a ebook, there's a little option to highlight and make a note and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But with audiobooks, it's just like pfft, well, and usually when you're re- listening to an audiobook, you're not sitting down. You're I'm usually driving. Yeah, right. yeah, doing something else. <laughs> Right. So they need to have a, a voice function. Mm-hmm. Pause audiobook. Please note. <laughs> Please blah, note. Blah, blah. <laughs> what the what? <laughs> if right. it just had an option where you could just put a little marker every time you wanted to take note of something, mm-hmm. and then you could like skip ahead to your last to your markers, and they'd be. In order that you made them as you were listening to the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you would listen to it and remember, oh, yeah, this was important. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know here on purpose. Yeah, that's true. So they need to do that. Yeah, get on it. <laughs> I don't know who they are, but. We'll send an email to Libby, I guess. <laughs> Somebody who knows how to do it better than we do, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So, do you want to talk first about your book? You sure. I don't know. Whatever you want to do is fine. I'm I think she way. used more sticky notes than ever this time. I did. Ooh. And I took some out because I was actually trying to like organize my notes, and then I gave up on that. 
Oh, man. I was like several pages and I'm like, oh my gosh, why? And then I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so this is not even all the sticky notes. Wow. I think you literally used the whole stack. No, I did not. It looks like it. Well, that's what it looks like. But I did not because I had a brand new stack and there was still some left. <gasps> so I know I did not use a whole stack. You used almost a whole stack. Almost. But not. Okay. I'm glad we argued about that. I'm glad that, yeah. <laughs> Our listeners want to know these things. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> yes. They, they want to feel like they're present here with us. <laughs> And they want to be able to experience it along with us. Okay. Well, I take a lot of notes. Yes. All right. Who's going? I think I went first last time, didn't I? I think you probably did, yes. I can go. All right. You're going. I am going to go. I mean, I'm going to stay here, but I'm going to talk about (laughs) my book. So, A Killer Among Us was uh, about a murder that happened in the early 90s, 1992. Mm-hmm. And it was the murder of um, Elizabeth DeCaro, DeCaro. And she was found at home, um, shot in the head twice. Oh. And um, so... She was found by her sister uh, because her sister had been worried about her and somebody else that that they were with. They were going to meet her for drinks and she didn't show up that night. And um, so she was worried and and went over there. And sure enough, you know, she had reason to worry. Mm -hmm. Well, so much into this. (laughs) DeCaro um, that weekend had decided that he was going to have a kid's weekend, which he had never done before. And he took the kids and they went to, um, this happened in Missouri, so they went to Lake of the Ozarks, which is interesting because I've been there and so I kind of know that <laughs> area. area. Yes. <laughs> um, and so his wife gets shot. They finally contact him there and he's like, well, okay. And uh, the, the police drive up there and talk to him and all that. And he's like, well, I guess I need to wake up my kids because they wanted to talk with them. And so the police officer is talking to the kid and then he's talking to the husband or yeah, to the husband again. And he's like, the husband's like, should I um, just go back or should we stay here? For another day or two. And the police officers are looking at him like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You should go back. Yeah. Uh, And the husband's name is um, Rick Richard DeCaro. So he's like, well, I I better talk with the kids and see what they want to do. So he asked the kids and, uh, you know, tells them that their mom has died. And they're like, I want to go home. Yeah. They don't want to stay there and have fun right you know (laughs) um so this whole thing started i don't know maybe a year prior they were kind of on the rocks Mm -hmm. him and his wife and part of it had to do with the fact that she told him 
not to give her so many things. Like he, he would send her flowers and he would be calling her throughout the day. And it was, he was kind of obsessive really mm-hmm. when, when they talked about a lot of the things that he did. Um, the, the weekend that she was uh, staying at home where, when she got murdered was the first weekend that she had ever spent alone. Wow. He never let her be alone. Yeah. She could not travel alone. You know, he was always there. And, you know, part of it is a doting husband, you know. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I thought of when when all that happened, it was like, that was his love language. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't want it. Mm. And that was the start of him pulling away from her. Because it's like, you don't want me anymore. You don't mm-hmm. want me to do these things. And instead of dialing it back. Right. Yeah, it was a very personal affront for him. Yeah. Well, and he was not the, you know, did not have the best childhood in mm-hmm. high school. He was, or, you know, considered the bad boy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So he wasn't, you know, the best. Mm-hmm. Mom didn't really want them to be dating Elizabeth's mom, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But so anyway, they got married and um, they had four kids i think it was four uh and so anyway this is starting to happen are the kids young yes so one of them during some of what part of what i was listening to one of them was five and i don't remember if there was one younger or not and then the other one was oldest was about 12 Mm -hmm. i think so um yes okay so he he starts pulling back and he ends up having an affair with his secretary or, you know, somebody who works at his. Wow. So, like, this is all or nothing with him. <sighs> it is. That's what's really funny. <clears throat> Like, it's not even a, okay, so I won't, like, I'll just take a couple of steps back and not send you flowers all the time or, you know, whatever. It's all or nothing. Well, and it's not just that. It's like everything in his life. It's all or nothing. Oh. Hmm. It's like, I want a boat. I have to have it or I'm done with this. Get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And he was done with her. And so he got rid of her. So he, he starts talking to people who are coming in and asking them if they knew somebody who could um, take a vehicle and destroy it or steal it and then destroy it for insurance purposes. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And, so the first guy he asked was like, well, maybe I might know somebody knowing that, no, he does not know anybody, but he doesn't, he's like, how do I get out of this conversation? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, and well, what about uh, murder? You know, I need somebody killed. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> do you know somebody? And the guy's like, okay, I got to get out of this as fast as I, I can. No, I don't. Right? And then he ask somebody else and the guy's like yeah i know somebody who might steal the vehicle for insurance well this was one of his employees Mm -hmm. puts him in touch with the long story short short not a relative but considered a brother kind of okay thing foster parent like yeah convoluted okay and so Richard um, gets in touch with this guy, and they s- sit in a vehicle and talk for a little while. And um, so the vehicle gets stolen out of his driveway. 
and um, they're not home. It gets stolen, or maybe they were home when it got stolen. Anyway, Richard gave him the keys and said, you know, he had he never left his vehicles outside of the garage. He was very particular. Yeah. He never let the dogs in there. He um, he didn't like the kids messing up the cars. And, I mean, he would just get really upset about anything that was not in its place uh-huh. kind of thing. And so he leaves it outside. And his wife is thinking, well, that's awful weird, you know. And so it disappears. It gets stolen. And sure enough, he collects the insurance money on it. But it's found several days later, um, burn up. They found it charred and uh-huh. whatever. And... Um, so some of the people who were talking about it said it was a, a package deal. That if you do this one, you have to do the next one. Huh. And they think that he somehow conned him into doing both. Because at first he was like, no, I'm just going to do the stealing of the vehicle. I don't want to get into the murder part of uh-huh. it. But then I think because he had him on the um, stealing part that maybe he could... Um, testify against him i guess at that point uh, you know at this point i'm just like call his bluff be like you know who's gonna lose out more if you call the cops uh-huh. me being like guess what he wants me to do yeah it's gonna be you yeah <laughs> i could do a couple of years for stealing your car uh-huh <laughs> yes chris is nodding his head mm-hmm. agreeing yeah okay yeah, yeah i am <laughs> I, I know that that doesn't pick up <laughs> But, but yes, that's a good point. So, I don't remember exactly the date that that happened, but March 7th is the day that she was murdered, Elizabeth. And the sisters had a feeling that something was going to happen. And they had even said to the dad, why don't you hire a private investigator? And he's like, you girls are like over the top. I'm not going <laughs> to hire a private investigator to follow somebody around. I mean, we got better things to do. And um, do we? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, he was very sorry that he had not. Yeah. Later, I'm sure. Um, come to find out, Elizabeth did have a, an affair also with a police officer. Um, but, you know, her husband was being so rude to her. I mean, he just was like over the top, not caring about her. And he actually went to, they came home one night and she was walking in front of the van. And he ran the van into her, rammed her into the the garage or the house or something, and then got out of the vehicle and went into the house. Right? (laughs) And she's like having to climb out of the wall, basically, Uh or wherever she was to get out because he didn't back it up anything and um so she comes in and she's like where did you go why did you leave me there and he said well i thought you were dead and i wanted to go up and make sure the kids didn't come down (laughs) he tried to kill her Mm -hmm. and didn't succeed oh my gosh and she just walked got up and was like hey what's what's (laughs) the deal Oh but I gosh. mean, she didn't. This is this is when you call your cop boyfriend. <laughs> I'm like, hey, guess what just happened? I know. I mean, it's so funny when you look back at this stuff. You're like, of course, this is not right. Hello, mm-hmm. why are you still with him? And even I- if you thought he wasn't really trying to kill me, 
he just physically assaulted you with your vehicle Uh so at least chalk that up to domestic violence if you're like he's not actually trying to kill me which i don't know how you would (laughs) rationalize that he's not trying to kill you when he hits you with a car (laughs) but and then jumps out and runs away runs away (laughs) but if you have doubts call the police and ask them about it yeah that's like here's the thing that happened that i thought was kind of (laughs) weird yeah exactly they did go to the hospital. She didn't have any broken bones or anything, but she was bruised up really bad. And um, so when she was murdered, she still had um, bruises from that. So it was within oh, okay. like five weeks wow. or something like that of, of her being uh, actually murdered. So he comes back. He doesn't cry. He makes all kinds of excuses to make sure that he's not with the family, with Elizabeth's mm-hmm. family. Um, his kids, they would always go over to their place, Elizabeth's parents' house, mm-hmm. but they would never really stay the night with his parents or anything. And so they're like, you need to bring those kids over here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they need some support and all that stuff. And so finally he went there and he started to, uh, I think he was staying with them because his house was a crime scene. Yeah. And uh, the the mother, Georgiana, made a comment to him and really started getting after him about something. And he said, if you're going to treat me like that, then you'll never see these kids again. And so she knew right then that she had to kiss his butt. Mm -hmm. Mm. And um, so her whole family was observing her kiss his butt, and they were getting so mad at her Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, trying to be on his side and all this stuff. And um, they finally confronted her because she was starting to feel bad about being left out. And they're like, you're on his side, and we don't agree with it, so we don't even want to be around you. Yeah. And she's like, I can't believe you think that. She said, I am doing this so for those kids so that we can get custody of those kids. Mm-hmm. And he did um, sign the kids over if he ever went to jail that, sh- that they would get the kids. Um, but he didn't ever think that he was going to go to jail. We never do. No. <laughs> well, and the, the people, they were trying to kind of trap him and get him to say some things. And so they had some people call and talk about, you know, man, I'm worried about this or that. And he was like, well, why? We never did anything. You know, we never talked about that. I never did that. You know, I mean, he just completely denied everything. Yeah. Just tell him the truth. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, But they didn't have a lot of proof. A lot of it was hearsay. And then they had some witnesses come up that actually seen... um, were actually there, mm-hmm. uh, saw the um, the killer throw the license plate out the window, different things. Um, so when she was murdered, they also stole a different vehicle at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that was supposed to be like a setup that, oh, I came back to steal another vehicle. And there was someone here. Yeah, and so that's how she got shot. But actually what happened is Richard DeCaro picked him up, took him to the house, put him in the basement, so he was sitting there waiting for her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Mm. When she got home from work that day. They also think that he didn't think she was going to um, 
be found until he got back, like on Sunday night or Monday or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, so he was driving the, the vehicle around town and he was seen in it. And then what he ended up doing is he took it and, and stored it in like some shipping or, you know, um, storage place mm-hmm. and was taking it apart and selling the pieces and dumping things that he didn't need and all that. So they ended up finding that because somebody he knew knew that found out that he was doing that uh-huh. and they went directly to the police. And so, yeah, that's how he was caught. His So anyway, they go to, they go to, um, trial. Basilla is, uh, convicted of the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, which he was going to get paid um, $15,000 out of the $100,000 insurance policy that they had taken out. Richard had taken out on her the first part of the year. And the family thought that was very little for her life, you know, thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Um, So he gets convicted and he gets uh, the death penalty. But part of the issue is how do we get Richard because he's not – confessing to anything mm-hmm. uh he's um not really s- they can't even trick him into saying anything he's mm-hmm. just denying you know being here or there or whatever and they've i don't know exactly how they did it but they were able to arrest him but they thought it was going to be a lot of circumstantial evidence mm-hmm. but they figured out that basil would not have been there if he hadn't have been hired to do it. Right. And so they were able to figure out that he was the mastermind behind mm-hmm. the whole thing. Um, so he goes to trial as well. So this happened in 1992. I think um, Richard went to trial in 94. Mm-hmm. And he was, I read something later that said he was found innocent by the state but then in federal court, he was found guilty. Hmm. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, okay, so I do have to confess, I did not finish the book. <laughs> I am on chapter 61, and there are 90 chapters. Dead gum. He drags on, and he tells you everything that's happened in the trial. <laughs> so it was a little detailed, a little bit <laughs> over the top. It's like, okay, you've already said this when this person testified. So mm-hmm. let's go on and, you know, we don't need to hear that again. But, of course, he told us several times when everybody testified. And I did read some reviews and they were like, it was too much. Yeah. So I was not the only one thinking that. Um, so what I had to do is I went on in online yeah. and tried to find some more information about what actually happened and all this stuff. So he was finally convicted. But... Um, they were talking about like a hung jury uh-huh. because the jury, nobody really felt good about that jury uh, to begin with. And so I think that there may have been circumstances mm-hmm. where um, he wasn't convicted that first time. Right. So he wasn't acquitted. Right. They just moved him on to a, like a, another trial. Yeah. And then the feds took over. Yes. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> because, yeah, it's. Right. And which makes sense. You can't be tried for the same thing twice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, he does get convicted. Um, the other gentleman, Basil, uh, Daniel, I believe is his name, um, has already received the death penalty. Um, he was executed in 2002. Um, but 
DeCaro got life. And so now, <laughs> it's really funny. He There's a Facebook page out there that says, um, I don't know, save him. Let him, you know. Free Yeah, DeCaro. whatever. <laughs> and it's this whole letter to President Clinton. No, it was Obama. <laughs> Sorry, it was Clinton. Wow, that was a long time ago. It was Obama. And, um, and then all the other posts after it. You may have conned your kids, but you haven't conned anybody else. And, I mean, just thing after thing that nobody is like, let him go. Yeah. And it's it's really sad. And the kids are behind him. They think that they, he didn't do it. Well, there's a picture on there, and I think it's of him and his son. So I think it's his older son. Mm. But at one point, they were saying the kids even thought that he had done it. And, uh, or the older two had, and the younger ones were so, it was really sad. They said, daddy's favorite color must be orange because that's what he's wearing every time we go to see him. Isn't that sad? That is sad. Oh my gosh, those poor kids. Um, so yeah, I mean, they finally got, got him, but it was, it was like he was just done with her and he was ready to move on and. He, I don't think he thought about the kids. I don't think he really wanted the kids. Yeah. It just was like, I'm, I'm ready to go. Move on. Anyway, it was, it was an interesting listen. I think, you know, you could definitely skip through. Mm-hmm. Some there were some it. things that he needed to just cut out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what some of the reviews said, too. But I'm going to plug through. <laughs> <laughs> Want to know the details? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that you really should listen to it. Um, the The family was, you know, knew he'd done it from the beginning, mm-hmm. and they were just very persistent mm-hmm. in making sure that um, he got what he deserved, mm-hmm. basically. But he looks in the picture that is shown. He looks he looks normal, but you think about what he did, and it's like really, yeah, it's just really sad. It was just a weird feeling looking at his picture on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the picture of um, Basil, he looked like a... Like a killer? He did. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like a troublemaker. That is for sure. So, some of the things that were going on around this time was the OJ uh-huh. murder, a conviction and trial and all that stuff. And then they said that three hours after Basil was uh, convicted... Um, the, there was a ser- serial killer in that area in Missouri that um, got the it was he was executed. Oh, yeah. So it was just kind of interesting pulling those things together at yeah. the same time. Mm. But uh, I believe that they were in Jefferson City, Missouri, the prison up there, and they have an old prison that you can tour, and we have done that, my yeah. family and I. Um, and so I. It's, it's interesting doing those kinds of things, I guess. <laughs> um, but to think that, you know, we were right in that area. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say at that time it was several years after that, but it's just weird yeah. when you can say, I was there. <laughs> so you can picture it when mm-hmm. you're reading about it or listening about it. You're like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, exactly. All right. Yeah. So I left enough out that you can go and read this book. And find out all kinds of fun stuff about this. Not fun stuff, sorry. That's not the right word. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So what you got? So I read about Casey Anthony. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Ashton was one of the prosecutors in the Casey Anthony case, which was in, well, disappearance of Kaylee was in 2008, uh, but her trial wasn't until 2011. Okay. And so, a few things about Jeff Ashton. He went to Boca Ciega High School, and he actually performed in a play with Angela Bassett. Oh, he cool. says that she's a very sweet girl. Uh huh. He's been married three times. He's had two kids per marriage, so he has six uh-huh. kids <laughs> as of this book. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who knows? If there's more, <laughs> right? Um. So this actually was the last case he ever did. Okay. He retired. Mm-hmm. And he was when Linda Drain Burdick approached him about being a part of this case it was her and frank george they already had two prosecutors but she approached him about joining the team and he'd been working for the state attorney of florida for almost 30 years so he was about to retire Mm -hmm. and so she asked him if he would join the case because he has he had tried 70 homicide cases and only lost two wow and a lot of his expertise comes from um, forensic science. So a lot of his cases have to do with forensic science or forensic heavy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he actually has uh, championed a lot of like new science into court. Oh. One of the interesting little tidbits here is that in 1987, he prosecuted the first case in the world in which DNA evidence was used. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know... She approached him not only because he was a good prosecutor, but because the Casey Anthony case actually had a lot of new forensics that were coming up. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was about like odor testing and trying to be able to say this odor is definitely this. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And so there was some new science going on. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like unestablished science, but it wasn't all that frequently used in the court of law. Okay. So she was, she wanted him on the team and they talked about it and talked with the bosses and all that. And at this point, like they had pretty much put him in some little office and was just like, he's going to retire soon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And so they, you know, his boss was like, yeah, you know, whatever, do whatever. Mm-hmm. So he joined the case and, he started going over the evidence of all that. And so Casey Anthony in July 15th of 2008, Cynthia, Cindy Anthony called 911 um, from her car. And she was saying that she wanted to have her daughter, Casey, who was in the passenger seat, arrested for stealing her 1998 Pontiac Sunfire and withdrawing money from her bank account without authorization. Okay. So, <clears throat> Cindy's driving the car that was stolen. Okay. Was stolen. Uh-huh. And Casey's right there. So, it sounds like they're just, they're having a fight that has just kind of gone a little... Right. A little too far. And how did she get the money out of the account if she didn't have the PIN number? Oh, yeah. You know? Okay. This was 2008. I'm sure she 
wrote herself a check <laughs> oh well <laughs> there you go she tries to go to what is called like a satellite office mm-hmm. for the orlando for the orlando police department mm-hmm. but it's after five so it's closed so that's why she calls 911 and she's like i just went and it's closed like where's the ne- like nearest one i can go to because she needs to be arrested uh-huh and they're just like who needs to be arrested like what and so she like goes through the whole thing like she stole my car but i got the car back well in her second 911 call because she made three mm-hmm. in her second 911 call she says that she got the car back it had been impounded because George and Cindy mm-hmm. owned the car. They got a notice that it had been impounded. Uh-huh. <laughs> Casey had been driving the car for a while, so they didn't like when they got the notice. Cindy freaked out because she had been in constant contact with Casey, who was telling her that they were in Jacksonville. Her and her two-year-old, almost three-year-old daughter, ooh, Kaylee, and uh-huh. that they were in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And so her car was dumped like in some parking lot by a dumpster. And so they were like, why is the car in Orlando if you're supposed to be in Jacksonville? Mm -hmm. And where is she? Like, where is Casey? Because the last time she saw her was June 16th, a month before the 911 call. Uh So they go and pick up the car. And George, who is a retired... Well, he worked as a detective in Ohio for a little bit in the in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So he's a he's an ex cop. They go to pick up the car from the impound, and the second he starts walking towards it, he smells decomposition. Yeah, like he can smell it. Uh huh. And so he's like, "Oh God, please don't let Casey or Kaylee be in this trunk." Uh huh. Because that's where the smell's coming from. So when he pops the trunk open, there's no body. But there's like a bag of trash that has flies and maggots in it. They throw that away. But the smell is so strong that he has to like roll down the windows and open up the skylight and drive. It's like seven miles away. But he's Mm got to have all this open because the smell is so bad. And he knows what that smell is. Yeah. And so when Cindy calls 911 again, Casey's not telling her where Kaylee is. She keeps saying that she's with a nanny. Mm-hmm. A woman named Zaneda Gonzalez, who has been Kaylee's nanny for two years. Okay. Um, her friend Jeff Hopkins recommended Zaneda because she would babysit his kid. Hmm. And so, you know, totally reliable. She'd been her babysitter for a long time. Um, Cindy knew the the name and knew Jeff Hopkins' name because Cindy mentioned them all the time, or Casey mentioned them all the time. And so she was like, well, where is she? Like, let me see my grandkid. And Casey's not not budging. She's just like, nope. Wow. And everybody thinks, by everybody I mean the dad, her older brother, Cindy, all think that Casey is just refusing to let them see Kaylee just to be mean to her mom. Hmm. And I'm like, that says a lot about this family that y'all think that that's perfectly reasonable yeah. and not a totally crazy thing to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's been over a month and 
I'm just not letting you see my grandkid, your grandkid for whatever. Yeah. For whatever reason. Did they yeah. even have a fight or we, you know, did yeah. they, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Even though she'd been in constant contact with her throughout the month, mm-hmm. like she would call her mom, now like, oh, we're over here, or we're doing this now, or we're going here and having a great time. The way she describes the nanny, I'm like, did y'all not think that this nanny was too good to be true? Uh-oh. Like, she she's totally cool with Casey just dropping Kaylee off for, like, days wow you know like yeah like she would be like oh well i dropped her off and she's staying the night at the nanny's Hmm. like no one was like why yeah (laughs) that is weird yeah and then would go with her to jacksonville to continue to be a nanny while casey goes and does what exactly like so she must be making quite a bit of money to have a live-in nanny or somebody to travel with her (laughs) and everything Casey and Kaylee live with Casey's mom and dad. (laughs) Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, no one thought this was weird. Right. But, okay. Whatever. Uh, One of the things that was pretty clear was that George and Cindy, especially Cindy, were A-OK being lied to. Like, it was just like, I believe everything that Casey says. Mm. Even though when she's like, I really don't believe what Casey's saying. But. Mm-hmm. I'm going to believe what Casey's saying. Like, it was a very codependent relationship, but it was always, like, volatile. They were always arguing and fighting. Yeah. When they pick up the car, and George drives it back, and Cindy calls. Cindy looks through the car and finds a piece of paper that has uh, Amy Huzinga's phone number on it. Amy is a friend of Casey's. Mm-hmm. So she calls. Amy, and she wants to know where Casey is. Mm-hmm. And Amy tells her that Casey is staying with her boyfriend, Tony Lazaro, a guy Casey met on the internet. <laughs> he was 21 from Long Island mm-hmm. and a club promoter. He had been working at the Fusion Ultra Lounge. Mm-hmm. So 2008. Yeah. Which was a sushi bar by day and a club by night. Interesting. So... That's where she was. Mm -hmm. So Cindy picks up Amy. Amy takes her to where Tony lives. Cindy has Amy knock on the door and she hides around the corner. (laughs) So when Casey sees that it's Amy, she opens the door and then Cindy pops out. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) And tells her, tells Casey to get in the car. So she gets in the car, her and Casey and Amy get in the car, and she wants to know where Kaylee is, and Casey's not, just keeps saying she's at the nanny's. They drop Amy off. Mm-hmm. Cindy's like, Amy, go home, because this is about to get real. <laughs> and Amy's like, thank Yeah, goodness. Amy's like, I never should have answered the phone. Why did I answer the phone? Casey's not budging. She's not answering. She's just like, she's at the babysitter's. She's at the babysitter's. And so that's when um, Cindy called 911 again. Do you want to do transcript theater, Chris? Okay. Okay. You be the dispatcher. I will be Cindy. Okay. What should I sound like? I don't know. Like a dispatcher. I don't know what that sounds like. Okay. So this is this is after 5 o'clock when they went to that satellite station and... Mm-hmm. It was closed. So Cindy's like, hi, 
I drove to the phone to the police department here on Pershing, but you guys are closed. I need to bring someone into the police department. Can you tell me the closest one I can come in? What are you trying to accomplish by bringing them bringing them to the station? I have a 22-year-old person that has grand theft sitting in my auto with me. So the 22-year-old person stole something? Yes. Is this a relative? Yes. Where did they steal it from? My car and also money. Okay. Is this your son? Daughter. So your daughter stole money from your car? No, my car was stolen. We retrieved it today. We found out where it was, where it was at, retrieved it. I've got that, and I've got an affidavit from my banking account. I want to bring her in. I want to press charges. They tell her that she needs to talk to the Orange County Sheriff. Mm-hmm. So they patch her over there. It picks up a little bit of what Cindy is saying mm-hmm. to her passenger, which is just, because my next thing, we'll be down to child. We'll have a court order to get her. If that's the way you want to play it, we'll do it. Can't really hear what Casey says in the background. Mm-hmm. And then Cindy says, no, I'm not giving you another day. I've given you a month. So they get back. The operator at the Orange County Sheriff's Office instructed Cindy to go home, to call back from home, mm-hmm. and that they would send deputies once she made that call. Mm-hmm. So she goes home and they make another, she makes another 911 call. Mm-hmm. I have someone here who I need to be arrested in my home. They are there right now. And I have a possible missing child. I have a three-year-old who has been missing for a month. Though Cindy said Kaylee was three in this phone call, Kaylee was still technically two. Her third birthday was to be in early August. A three-year-old? Have you reported that? I'm trying to do that now. (laughs) (laughs) So, this is pretty much where the... Because this continues on for a little bit more. So, two hours passed before a third call was urgently placed from the Anthony home. So, this is now the third 911 call. Okay. Now, she's gone from, this person stole my car and stole money. To, I have a possible missing child. Uh-huh. To, I need the police to come to arrest my daughter. But she hasn't mentioned anything like, the smell in the car or that she actually hasn't seen either one of them for a month or hasn't spoken. She didn't really steal the car. She let them use it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Okay. So third 911 call. Mm -hmm. I called a little bit ago to the deputy sheriffs and I found out that my granddaughter has been taken. She has been missing for a month. Her mother has finally admitted that she had been missing. Uh, What is the address you're calling from? We were talking about a three-year-old little girl. My daughter finally admitted that the babysitter stole her. I need to find her. Your daughter admitted that the baby is where? She said she took her a month ago, and my daughter has been looking for her. I told you, my daughter has been missing for a month, and I just found her today. But I can't find my granddaughter. She just admitted to me that she's been trying to find her by herself. There's something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. Okay. What is the three-year-old's name? Kaylee. C-A-Y-L-E-E Anthony. How long has she been missing for? I've not seen her since June 7th. 
And there's some audible, inaudible stuff where Cindy's addressing Casey in the background, but the operator coaxed her back to the phone. Can you calm down for me for just a minute? I need to know what is going on. Is your daughter there? Can I speak with her? Do you mind if I speak with her? So Casey took the phone. Her voice was casual, almost uninterested and maybe a little a little annoyed. Uh-huh. So now I'm Casey Anthony. Okay. Chris is still the dispatcher. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hi. Can you tell me what's going on a little bit? My daughter has been missing for the last 31 days. And you know who has her? I know who has her. I tried to contact her and I actually received a phone call today from a number that is no longer in service. I did get to speak to my daughter for about a minute. Did you guys report a vehicle stolen? Yes, my mom did. Okay, so there has been a vehicle stolen too? No, this is my vehicle. What vehicle was stolen? It's a 1998 Pontiac Sunfire. We have deputies on the way for that. For On the way to you for that. <clears throat> but now your three-year-old is missing? Kaylee Anthony? Yes. You lost her a month ago? 31 days. Who has her? Do you have a name? Her name is Zanaida Fernandez Gonzalez. Who is that? The babysitter? She's been my nanny for about a year and a half or like two years. Why are you calling now? Why didn't you call 31 days ago? I've been looking for her and have gone through other resources to try to find her, which is stupid. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so. Dang. Yeah. yeah. So. Let's see. Three 911 calls. They do send Corporal Rendon Fletcher. He was the first officer to arrive. Mm -hmm. He knocks on the door. Cindy answered. She is sobbing and hysterics. And he's like, what the what? Mm -hmm. Because he thought he was coming about a stolen vehicle. And so she's crying. He's trying to get like, what's going on? What's wrong? Starts up the whole like, my granddaughter has been missing for 31 days. I just found out about it. Cindy doesn't mention the smell in the car. <clears throat> and so he's talking to her, trying to calm her down, trying to figure out what's going on. At some point, her husband, George, comes home. In mm -hmm. sometime at that, that point between the first 911 call and the third 911 call, mm -hmm. Cindy tried to call George at work. Okay. He missed her call. When he tried to call her back, there was no answer. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I don't know what's going on. So he calls his son, Lee, mm -hmm. who's about four years older than Casey. So he's uh, upper 20s. Mm -hmm. And so he calls Lee, who doesn't live at the house. He lives somewhere else. He lives, but he's not far. It's like half a mile away or something. So he goes to check on his mom and his sister. He gets there and they are going at it. They're fighting and this is not anything new to anybody. <sighs> Wow. And so Lee usually has to try to, you know, be the mediator, go in and try to figure out what's going on and calm them both down. Mm -hmm. um, he got there a few minutes before Casey and Cindy actually arrived. And when they arrived, they were fighting and going after each other. And so Casey goes into her bedroom and closes the door. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to find out what's going on. So he goes to talk to Casey. 
and Casey's basically like, Kaylee's with the babysitter. She's flipping out. You know, she's fine. And so Lee's like, why can't we just go get Kaylee then? Mm-hmm. And so he, again, thinks that she's just keeping the baby away from Cindy for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And again, this all seems reasonable and not crazy. Right. And so she's like, you know, she's probably asleep right now anyway. So let's just leave her there and we can go get her in the morning. And he's like, why don't you tell me where she's at? And then I can at least go and see that she's fine and tell mom that she's fine. And that way, you know, we just calm down. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. Nope, not doing that. So he thinks maybe if we do a little role playing. Maybe I can get her to, like, talk to me more about it. So he's like, pretend like I'm a cop. And I'm going to talk to you like a cop. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> and why? Yeah. Yeah. So he talks to her like, you know, like, he's a cop. <clears throat> and he. Yeah, he thinks that she's just simply hiding Kaylee. And so he's talking to her like he's a police officer and he used his cop voice and Casey told her, told him that, um, you know, he was like, he explained to Casey that she needed to take him to Kaylee so he could see for her, for himself that she was fine. So Casey like, sat there without an expression on her face for about 15 seconds like while she thought about it Mm -hmm. and then she finally broke down and said you want to know the truth i haven't seen my daughter in 31 days and so lee thought that he was like breaking through to her Mm -hmm. and so he was trying to talk to her and he questioned more about it but all she would say was that she was kidnapped corporal fletcher gets there so she was being interviewed by Corporal Fletcher. She told him that on the Monday after Father's Day, somewhere between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m., she took her daughter to the apartment of her current babysitter, Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez, mm-hmm. also known as Zanny. Zanny the Nanny. Oh, interesting. She said that Zanny was half black and half Puerto Rican, 25 years old and originally from New York. She described her as being 5 feet 7 and 140 pounds with dark brown curly hair and brown eyes. She even said that her birthday was in September. She gave Zanny's address as the Sawgrass Apartments on South Conway Road in Orlando. There, she said Zanny and two roommates, Raquel Flora and Jennifer Rosa, shared apartment 210. Okay. None of these people are real. None of them? Really? She might have met Azaneda Fernandez Gonzalez in passing mm-hmm. at some point because there is a person with that name, mm-hmm. but not her friend, not her nanny, wow. not anybody. Never lived at these apartments. Um, Raquel Flora and Jennifer Rosa totally made up people. Hmm. So she told them that she had dropped off Kaylee at Zaney's that Monday. Because she was going to her job at Universal Studios, where she claimed she was an event planner. At the end of the day, around 5, Casey drove straight back to the Sawgrass Apartments to pick up her daughter, but no one was home. So she tried to call Zany's cell phone number and was surprised to learn that the line was out of service. 
So she sat there and waited for two hours on the steps because she thought maybe they had car trouble or they were just running late. Hmm. And then as time passed, she became increasingly worried. So she spent the next few hours going to familiar places in the area looking for Zany and Kaylee. She started at the park, did all her searching and all that. And she basically spent 31 days doing that, going to places that she knew that Zany had been to or whatever. But she would stay the night at Tony's. Okay, I'm having a hard time believing that she was doing that because she oh, lied. She was about not doing any people. of that, Don. <laughs> <laughs> the point to all of that is mm-hmm. that she is a liar, right? <laughs> <laughs> a really good one. Like, let me give you all these details and make it sound like I actually know these people. Yeah, and they don't exist. Yeah, to give an apartment. Mm-hmm. And the number and all this stuff. Yeah. Yep. So then, um, they decided to take her on a little tour of apartments. Well, and take us to where you l- dropped off your kid. Mm-hmm. And they go to the Sawgrass Apartments, to apartment 210, and it is completely vacant. And so then they're like, okay, well, like, what other apartments do you know that she has lived at or... Mm-hmm. You know, any other possible things like that. So she took she took them to another complex in another part of Orlando. And she said that Zany had lived at those apartment complexes at some point. Mm-hmm. It's a seniors only facility. <sighs> but across the street is where her ex-fiance lives. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. She even told them that at some point, Zany had lived with her mom, uh-huh. made up a whole mom, place where mom lived, all of that went by there. Wow. No mom, no Zany, no nobody. Huh. Just completely. They checked it with the landlords of the Sawgrass Apartments, and they were confirmed that Zenaida Gonzalez never lived there, that that apartment had been vacant for like 114 days or something like that, and mm-hmm. there was no way that... She could have dropped off a child at that apartment mm-hmm. at the time because nobody was living there. They contact Detective Yuri Melik at this point, and he kind of takes over after her little grand tour of apartments. And it's now about four o'clock in the morning. He's like, Tell me how you know Zany. Like, how did you meet Zany? And she's like, Well, my friend Jeff Hopkins, who has a son, we used to work together at Universal Studios. Jeff Hopkins and her co worker, Juliet Lewis. Jeff Hopkins and Juliette Lewis, who is totally a real person, but not a person that (laughs) Casey Anthony knows, (laughs) are co-workers of hers at Universal Studio. She, those are the only two people that she talked to about this entire kidnapping ordeal. Hmm. Okay. She didn't tell her boyfriend, Tony. She certainly didn't tell her parents. She didn't tell anybody. She talked to Jeff and Juliette about Kaylee being missing. Hmm. So she tells Yuri Melik that she met Zany through Jeff Hopkins, mm-hmm. that uh, Zany would babysit his son. And so she agreed to take on Kaylee as well. And so they're like, awesome. 
can we talk to Jeff? And she comes up with this whole convoluted story about how, yeah, they could talk to Jeff, but you see her phone is missing. She's got the SIM card, but she didn't save his contact information in the SIM card. She saved it on the phone. So she doesn't have Jeff's number. Yeah. And why would you have a SIM card? And not the phone. Right. This detective knows that she's lying. Mm-hmm. He told her to go home and the next day they'll, he'll pick her up. And they're going to go to Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. Because maybe they have contact information for Jeff and Zany because she claimed that at some point they were both working at Universal Studios with her. So he calls Universal Studios and talks to the security manager. Mm-hmm. And he tells the detective that Casey Anthony does not work there. That she worked there seasonally like two years ago or something. Mm-hmm. But does not work there now. Jeff Hopkins at some point had also worked there as a seasonal employee years before. Ooh. Zany has never worked there ever. They ne- don't have any record of her mm-hmm. at all. And so he's like, okay. So he picks up Casey. Takes her to Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. The security manager is there at the gate. And she walks right up to the security guard and says that she forgot her ID, but she is most definitely an employee at Universal Studios. Ooh. So he's like, okay, well, what's your name? And he looks her up. He's like, I don't know. I don't find you in our system at all. Mm-hmm. She is very insistent that she works there. The security manager like looks at the guard was just like you know just let her through mm-hmm. so he's like okay you know whatever the boss has to let you through so detective Melik and he has two deputies Casey and the security manager mm-hmm. walk through the gate and Casey leads the way like she knows exactly where she is going mm-hmm. so she's taking them to her office oh, wow. she's an event planner uh-huh and she takes them through all over Universal Studios, the security manager is like, the event planning offices are that way and we're going this way. But, you know, uh-huh. no one's stopping her. Just keep going until we get to your office where you have everybody's contact information because you lost your phone, but you got the SIM card or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she keeps going. Like, she knows and she's confident. Like, she knows exactly where she's going. She has an office in Universal Studios. <laughs> and then she gets to a hallway and there's nowhere else to go. Uh-oh. And she turns around and goes, okay, so I don't really work here. <laughs> she went through all of that. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what was going through her mind the whole time. <laughs> I mean, what did she think she was going to be able to do? I don't know. Like, that's the thing. That's what she does constantly is she just has a line and she runs with it and if something comes up that interferes with her life well she just adapts uh-huh and she is she is a liar she won't tell them where kaylee is they know that zanada isn't someone that she actually knows mm-hmm. it later turns out that jeff hopkins is a real person that mm-hmm. she went to middle school with oh she hasn't seen him in years they mm-hmm. ran into each other at some point at a club, mm-hmm. said hi. That was it. He has no son. He's never been married. Wow. They hadn't spoken at all since they ran into each other at a club. Uh-huh. 
And she had used Jeff Hopkins' name with her mom for all kinds of stuff. Wow. You know, Jeff and I are going with his son and with Kaylee to blah, blah, blah. We're going over here. We're going over there. And I'm trying to, you know, start a reasonable and sensible relationship with him. You know, he's got a son. I got a daughter. Mm-hmm. And just. Wow. So she doesn't have a job. Mm-hmm. As was clearly demonstrated. Yes. But she'd been telling her mother that she had a job at Universal Studios for a, a while now. She even made herself a fake ID and put it on the lanyard. Wow. She was committed to this lie. Yeah. So where did she get money? Exactly. Well, she stole from her parents and from her friends. Wow. Amy, who found the phone number and, you know, uh-huh. Cindy found her phone number and used her to trap Casey. Uh-huh. Had, she had actually had several hundred dollars stolen from her by Casey. She had used her credit card and all that. And Amy just forgave her. Wow. Yeah. So she met Tony in the 31 days that Cindy and George thought that Kaylee was with Casey in Jacksonville having vacation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she was with Tony staying at his place, cooking and cleaning for him and his roommates. Tony worked at Fusion Ultra Lounge. Mm-hmm. So Casey would go and be a shot girl, participated in the hot body contest, got herself a tattoo that said La Bella Vida on her shoulder, The Beautiful Life. Wow. And just living it up like a 22-year-old that does not have a child. Yeah. Who would live it up. Wow. And when Tony would ask her, about Kaylee because he knew she had a daughter. Mm-hmm. He met Kaylee and really liked liked her. He, he wasn't like, "Ooh, no, I can't see you because you have a kid." Mm-hmm. Like he was totally fine with that and totally open mm-hmm. about it. So he would ask, you know, like, "Where's Kaylee?" Uh-huh. Oh, she's with the babysitter, or I left her with mom. But it was usually she left her with the babysitter. Uh-huh. And again, no one's like, "You've been here for a month." Yeah. Like, why haven't I seen your kid? Yeah. (laughs) Like, how much are you paying this babysitter? (laughs) The roommates would ask about her, too. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the roommates had babysat Kaylee before in the past when Tony and Casey went out for dinner. Mm -hmm. And he was like, where's Kaylee? She's with the babysitter. Oh, okay. Like, no one questioned anything further than that. Wow. See, that's weird. If she was living with him. To not ever see her. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't make any sense at all. Well, she would be out and about during the day uh-huh. and then would stay the night with him. But she would be there throughout the day. Uh-huh. And at different points, people would ask her and that's what she would say. No one ever got together and compared notes. Got it. No one was ever like, when was the last time you saw Kaylee? Because I asked her this morning and she said it was, she was with the babysitter. Mm-hmm. Well, I asked her last night and she said she was with the babysitter. Like... But I'm thinking she's staying with Tony. Almost, yeah, every night. Yeah. Because she's not going home. You would think that she would have her daughter at night. Yeah. Okay. After they did their Universal tour, and it turns out that she didn't work there, um, Yuri confronted her with all the lies, Mm -hmm. and she wasn't budging. Detective Malik decides that he's going to arrest her on child abuse charges. 
because the way he saw it was that 31 days have gone by and she hasn't seen her daughter. So therefore she committed child abuse by neglect. Okay. So arrested her. Okay. They set her bail at half a million dollars. Wow. And she stays in jail. Mm Mm-hmm. Jose Baez was recommended to her by her cellmate. No one knew who Jose Baez was. Uh, Jeff Ashton had not never heard of him before this at all. He is an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, he did find out later on that it took Jose Baez like eight years to pass the Florida bar. <laughs> <laughs> not because of like not knowing anything about uh-huh. the law, but because... Jose Baez refused to pay child support and the Florida bar would not pass him until he met the morality requirements. Wow. Yeah. Did the child just age out of that? And that's why he didn't have to pay anymore? Probably. Probably. Okay. So that's who's defending her. Mm -hmm. At this point, they haven't found Kaylee's body. Mm -hmm. She's still missing. They have a huge search for her. They're searching all over. They have a volunteer group that is providing volunteers to help search. And nobody has said anything about the smell on the car. George did tell the police that. And that there was a bag that he took and threw in the trash. Mm -hmm. And they did go get that bag. Okay. The dumpster hadn't been dumped out. They did go get that. George brought that up pretty Early on when he was interviewed by police before they took her on apartment tours. Okay. And it was in the 911 call. Sydney never brought it back up. Mm-hmm. Because once she was told that her granddaughter was kidnapped, she was like, I'm not talking about that. And I think so- somewhere in her mind, she was like, Casey did something. Uh-huh. Even though like she would still refuses to admit that she thinks Casey did something. Yeah. Hmm. George brought it up. Mm-hmm. George told the police about it. Mm-hmm. And so when they took the Pontiac for evidence and all that, they took some of the carpet and that's where the smell analysis and all that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, they did find the trash. They did go through it and all that. Nothing in that trash could have made okay. that kind of smell. Okay, And it's a very distinct smell uh-huh. is what they said. And someone who's had experience with that like George did would be able to say that's a dead dead body smell mm-hmm. and not rotted pastrami. Right. They spend over a month looking for Kaylee. Mm-hmm. And this guy who's a meter reader mm-hmm. uh, goes into a swampy area to relieve himself. And he sees a bag. And he thinks thinks that there's a skull in the bag so mm-hmm. he calls 911 and he's like uh, I think I just found something out here and gets no response he waits for a couple of hours no one shows up so he calls again and finally a deputy goes out there and he's like there's a bag over there and I think there's I think there's a skull in it and the deputy goes out there comes back out and tells him to stop wasting his time. <gasps> that it's a crime to be calling the cops out for nothing. And then another deputy shows up, doesn't even go into the swamp, and it's just like, quit calling us. And so they leave, and he's like, all right, fine. 
you know, like he feels like he did something wrong. Mm-hmm. So he goes about his day. Like another month later, he's out there reading the meters. Mm-hmm. And he again goes out there and the bag's still there. Mm-hmm. He claims he, you know, started poking it with a stick and all that. And yes, he saw a skull. And so this time he called his dispatcher and the dispatcher called the police. And by this point, everybody knows about Kaylee. Everybody's looking for her. So they go and they find her. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So when they go and they find Kaylee, she is completely skeletonized. Mm -hmm. But she has duct tape across her mouth and nose. And there's hair stuck in the duct tape. Yeah. And they do make a positive identification and it is Kaylee. Mm -hmm. And so now Casey's not just in prison for child abuse. Now she's in they're going to try her for first degree murder okay the case is huge media wise mm-hmm. and jose Baez is a clown <laughs> yeah and they go through all kinds of evidence take pictures all of this they do get like i said some cutting edge science forensic science thrown in there all of that mm-hmm. they the judge decides to not do the trial in a different county. Instead, they're going to basically get a jury from a different county and bring them to Orlando. Okay. It's impossible to get an impartial jury. Mm-hmm. This was everywhere. This was on court TV 24-7. Nancy Grace was talking about it every chance she got. Yeah. <laughs> it was everywhere. And the jury that they selected wasn't really a jury that anybody felt like confident in mm-hmm. but this was what they were going to get like there wasn't anything better yeah and jeff ashton talks about when they did opening statements he showed a picture of them finding the little body mm-hmm. and having the duct tape across her mouth and the jury had no reaction really and he was pretty much like well crap yeah i was like if you can look at that and not have any kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. He was like, this is going to be a fun trial. Yeah. Casey Anthony was found not guilty of all charges. They tried to do first degree murder. They put the death penalty on the table. Mm-hmm. There was also a lesser included charge of manslaughter. They charged her with child abuse. And they charged her with four counts of lying to the police. They found her not guilty on everything except for lying to the police. Oh, my gosh. So what did she get? She got a couple of years, and because she'd been in jail for the entire time, because no bail. So time served. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And she walked away scot-free. Mm-hmm. So with all the media buzz and all that going on, has there ever been any follow-up with the jury? A couple of jurors did do interviews, and basically they claimed that they could never prove how Kaylee died. And so, therefore, they couldn't prove that she was murdered. And I'm like, Casey's story, Mm -hmm. her story was that her story changed a lot Mm -hmm. throughout the entire time. But when it came down to trial, her story was that she had been sexually abused by her father Mm -hmm. since she was a little girl. Her brother also threw in a little sexual abuse every now and then. She was worried that he was going to start sexually abusing Kaylee and then one day he comes in 
with the little dead body of her daughter claiming that she had drowned in the pool and this was all Casey's fault. So then she put duct tape on her mouth for what? Right. And then went and dumped her body and then went to go live it up. Yeah. Wow. And that was one of the things like while I'm reading this, I'm like, how do you take her story? It was an accidental drowning. Mm -hmm. She drowned in the pool because no one was watching her. Mm hmm. A, you don't still charge over child abuse on that. But the duct tape. Yeah. What? Yeah, there's no reason <laughs> for that ever. You know, it's like she died accidentally, but I decided to put duct tape on her mouth and nose. Mm hmm. So they found the decomp smell in the trunk. They also found a huge, high level amount of chloroform. Oh. So. Really, what they speculated was that she used the chloroform mm -hmm. to knock Kaylee out, put the duct tape across her mouth and nose, put her in the bag, put her in the trunk, and then let her die. Oh, my gosh. She ran out of gas at some point mm -hmm. while she was driving the Pontiac around, decided to dump the car because she ran out of gas mm -hmm. and was just like, I'm out. Yeah. Just going to leave the car here. The smell was getting really bad, too. So she was just like, I'm just, I'm just going to just dump it here instead of, you know, like cleaning out the car. Mm -hmm. At that point, she'd already dumped the body and everything. Uh, Jeff Ashton thinks that really what she was probably doing was letting it air out and then she was going to come back to get it. Okay. But it got impounded. Oh. So. Mm-hmm. And that's when everything kind of fell apart. Except that. No one knew what her end game was. At some point, your parents are going to be like, where's my grandkid? Yeah. And so they found that her MySpace, this was in the time of MySpace, her MySpace password uh -huh. had been changed pretty much after Kaylee disappeared. Okay. And she had changed, changed it to timer 55. And they were like, well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Well, 55 was how many days it was going to be before Kaylee's third birthday. When she knew she wasn't going to be able to say, Kaylee's with the nanny on her birthday. You can't see your grandkid on Kaylee's birthday. Uh-huh. So 55 days was her. And that's how much time, time she, had. she had. Oh, that's so horrible. It is. And she got off for all that. Mm-hmm. So what is she doing now? Oh, Casey Anthony. Oh. Let's talk about what Casey Anthony is doing now. Because I did look. So in September of 2019, mm -hmm. Casey told sources that she feels her biological clock ticking and is considering having another child. That's ridiculous. They should have made her go and get her. <laughs> she was found not guilty of anything. That's what she told People Magazine in 2019. Um, that was September. In June of 2019, she announced that she is making a racy and explicit movie about her life. She's going to tell everything. Oh, really? Maybe it'll be another um, one of those. Who was the guy? <sighs> Went down to Florida and killed somebody that he was living with and put him in the ocean oh man he's on the tip of my tongue <laughs> and he got away with it 
And he made the movie, the Jinx movie. Oh, you're talking about Ed, uh, Durst. Yes. That I was, saw him on that. That was Galveston. What did I say? Uh, Florida. Oh, wait. Okay, sorry. When he yes. killed the guy. And yes. Yeah, that was Galveston. Galveston. Oh, my gosh. And, and Texas let him off. So maybe <laughs> she'll convict herself or, you know. There's nothing but she can be convicted that's on. That's true. That's true. Yeah, she told um, Zoris who told people that she is going to push the envelope. She wants everyone to talk about this movie and then she'll never speak publicly about her life or Kaylee's death ever again. Which I, I hope nobody watches that. Everybody's going to watch it, Don. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> All you're doing is giving her money. <laughs> I know. Everybody's going to watch it. I'm sorry. You're going to you're going to watch it. Oh, I'm just disgusted. <laughs> Let me just say, I want to watch it. <laughs> but there's a principle there that she's getting money for this. She's already got the money. Like that's the they thing. They give her an advance about <laughs> Yeah. She's already got the money. I'm I am just physically ill. Yep. She started dating again last year. She's been living with uh, one of the private eyes that worked on her case. What? Yeah, not as a romantic relationship. Oh. That's just... But still. Like, she, yeah. Um, and she kind of helps him out with his investigation, especially like when she needs to be a creeper on Facebook. She does that. Biological clock is a ticking. So how old is she? Now she's, what, 33? 33. I am just disgusted. Mm-hmm. This makes me mad. Want to see the pictures? Yes. It'll make you mad too. There she is, living it up. This was during the 31 days that her daughter was supposedly kidnapped and missing. <clears throat> I remember looking through those pictures when mm-hmm. I was <clears throat> in that shelving location. Yeah. I might have looked at this book to consider reading it. But <coughs> Jose it, it Bias is. wrote a book about this too, which is on Libby. And I thought about reading both of them, but Jose Baez is ridiculous and I don't want to read anything by him. But yeah, it is really bad to to look at the pictures and mm-hmm. just know what happened and it's like really Yeah. And even if she yeah. was kidnapped, it's like really Yeah, this is how she's spending her time. She's looking for her kid by day, partying it up by night. Uh, that just makes no sense that she's not um, distraught. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and she's crying in this picture. Yeah. Oh, because... And then laughing. Like, oh. all this was during her trial. Yeah. She did not take the stand, which was probably the smartest thing that Jose Baez did. Because this guy would have tore her up. He was very experienced, and I think he could have really... But I think the jury, from the sound of it, they... Deliberated for 90 minutes, did not ask for a single piece of evidence. Really? Mm-hmm. I think they, when they were polled later, he found out that 10 of them went in with a not guilty already, and mm-hmm. they basically spent that time convincing the other three. They did not ask for a single piece of evidence. They did not look at any pictures. They didn't read any reports. Nothing. I think they went in not wanting to convict her, and I think that's exactly what they did. Why? Pretty young white mom. And I think people would rather believe that it was an accident than she killed her her daughter to go live it up. 
Hmm. What kind of accident? An accident that involved or did not involve the mother? Well, if you could take her story at any kind of value, she was asleep in... Oh, yeah, the drowning. Right. right. Exactly. Because by the time they found little Kaylee's body, she was completely diskeletonized. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't say this is how she died because there wasn't any trauma to her. So she was suffocated with the duct tape, which, considering that the duct tape was still on her, and that duct tape kept her mandible in place, which is like once you decay, that falls right out because that's only stuck together with fleshy bits and mm-hmm. such. Right. So it was still completely intact because of that duct tape. So even if you believe any of that, it's just like, then what was the duct tape for? Right. Like, how do you just discount that completely? Like, what is what? What was the duct tape for? And the chloroform. What was the chloroform for? So, and they were saying that the dad was the one that found her in the pool? Mm-hmm. Casey, what was Casey's dad. Yeah. Yeah. What was his response? His response was, no. You know, he went up on the stand and they talked to him and so on. The Her parents, once they found Kaylee's body, like she was arrested and her mom was 100% behind Casey. Kaylee's out there somewhere missing and the police are wasting time prosecu- persecuting Casey. And George is just kind of standing there like, mm-hmm, you know, like, sure. Like, I'm behind my kid. I'm behind my wife on this. But he's not He's not saying anything. He's not like, yeah, mm-hmm. totally innocent. He knows she's not. Yeah. And to this day now, when they've been interviewed, um, Cindy is just barely willing to admit that maybe Casey knows more than what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And George is just like, we raised a monster. She's a killer. Wow. Um. They have no contact with her whatsoever. Cindy will occasionally hear from her, but George wants nothing, nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. She basically called him a child molester and, yeah. you know, a and pedophile and a rapist. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with her brother. Um, her brother married and had has a son. So they do get to dote on another grandchild. And that's at least helped them kind of heal a little bit more. Um, when George was told about Casey feeling her biological clock ticking, he said, if she is granted a chance to have another child, I hope that child is strong, grows up to be a worthwhile part of society. And the person that she has the child with, I hope they are going to love her and that child immensely. I hope whatever life she has left, that she makes something positive happen in her life. Which I thought was very gracious of him because at some other point they asked him if he had any contact with her and he was like, nope. And she needs to stay away. Stay away. Stay away. Like he was like, mm-mm. Hmm. I don't want to have anything to do with her. So what happened to Tony? Tony? Tony went on to live his life and got married and is probably left her. Oh, yeah. Dropped her like a rock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when she was arrested and her family would go to see her. Um, and her friends and all that all she wanted was tony's phone number so she could call him Hmm. and her friend like went to go see her and casey wanted tony's phone number and her friends like 
what if something happened to Kaylee? Like, where's Kaylee? And she's all crying and stuff because Kaylee is missing at this point. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, oh, God, you guys are the worst. Like, I just want to talk to Tony. Wow. And she's like, really? And she's like, why? He's like, because he's my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, why do you guys keep talking to this girl? Like, really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I would want to be around her anymore. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't think any of her friends that she had before are her friends now. I think she's just basically, she keeps a pretty low profile. I said that she's going to make a movie. So anyway, yeah, there was a lot in this. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff that I didn't know about the Casey Anthony file. And that was just really the highlight. So a lot of that stuff you can, you know, if you just look it up online. Yeah. But it's really interesting to hear Jeff Ashton's perspective on the whole thing because he's mm-hmm. still like what happened with this jury like yeah. really mm-hmm. yeah but see that's the thing i mean wasn't he who, who was the um yeah it says prosecuting so mm-hmm. he was the prosecutor he was one of the prosecutors it was three so they were the ones helping to pick the jury mm-hmm. but they didn't have a, a big select like a good selection like, nobody felt good about the jury they ended up with. Yeah. And they had to settle with people that knew about the case. Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't anybody in the freaking world that didn't know who Casey Anthony was at that point. Yeah, which is weird that they would have still sided with her. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's the evidence. And if you're looking at, like, by the book, that kind of stuff, maybe it was. I don't know. I can't imagine that you would hear any of this. And not be able to say, okay, maybe she didn't kill her, but child neglect? Mm-hmm. They let her off on everything. Yeah. On the child abuse, on the manslaughter charge, on the first degree. Like, And they didn't have to take the death penalty if they didn't want to. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Yeah. She should be behind bars. Oh, yeah. Forever and ever. Mm-hmm. She is not. She's out there planning on making her racy and explicit movie about her life and having another child yeah yeah i'm like who would date her (laughs) like who doesn't know who casey anthony is at this point also well and the other thing is is where was her dad where's casey's uh not casey oh um, who knows who kaylee's dad is she had been engaged remember i mentioned that in the little apartment tour yeah. She took them to a seniors only facility. Oh, yes. Right across the street, her ex fiance lived. Yeah. She had been engaged, and he thought that Kaylee was his daughter. Okay. Until he did a paternity test. Hmm. Kaylee was not his. Hmm. And he was willing to marry her anyway and uh-huh. raise Kaylee because he had fallen in love with this little girl yeah. that he thought was his. So he was like, eh. mm-hmm. and so he was going to marry her anyway, but he noticed that Casey changed. And she suddenly became unreliable and a liar mm-hmm. and started stealing money from him. And so he, he was out. Yeah. How did he feel about what happened? I'm sure he was devastated. I'm sure he was. I don't think they, I think they talked to him just to, to like talk about whether or not Kaylee was his and so on. But mm-hmm. he didn't, Jeff Ashton didn't really go into a lot of detail yeah. with him. And when they asked Casey who Kaylee's father was, like her parents and friends and so on, after they found out that uh, her ex-fiance wasn't mm-hmm. the father, she said that he was someone that she had known and he had died in a motorcycle accident in Tennessee or something like that. 
<laughs> okay. And I and I don't understand the mother oh, still Cindy? supporting her. It, yes. Yeah, it's craziness. It's craziness. Because they were fighting all the time about everything, and now all of a sudden uh-huh. she just thinks that... Well, and one of the things that Jeff Ashton said in his book was that at some point, Cindy picked Casey over Kaylee. Yeah. You know, it was like... Well, Kaylee's dead. Yeah. And now she's going to lose her daughter too if she, mm-hmm. yeah. Your daughter killed your granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Right. And she lost her daughter anyway. Yeah. They don't speak. They don't see each other. Mm-hmm. It's a very sad story. It's just as bad or worse than, than <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He had a lot of really good perspective. And like I said, there was a lot of things in here that I didn't know about. When... They went to go do jury selection because, mm-hmm. like I said, they got a jury from another county and basically brought them to Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Linda and Frank, who were the three prosecutors on the case, uh, went to whatever county it was. I think it was his home county mm-hmm. and went to go pick out a jury there. And Linda goes to pick him up and they're going to drive down there together. And Linda's wearing this uh, blue hoodie with a number on it and white pants and white sunglasses. And he was like, it's so weird seeing someone that you only see in suits, like in casual clothes. <laughs> so weird. So they get in the car and they drive down there and they meet Frank. And she gets out of the car and Frank starts laughing. And he's like, great outfit. And she's like, thanks. I've been riding in the car for two hours with this dummy and he didn't even notice. And he's like, what? She was dressed like Casey Anthony. Oh. When they arrested her, that's what she was wearing. And she went to Target and bought the same outfit. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, <laughs> I love this woman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And she went to go pick him up in her Casey costume. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh. <laughs> Fandom at its greatest, yeah. right? And he didn't even notice. Yeah. He was just like, so weird looking at her in like casual, like casual clothes. Uh-huh. She should be in a business suit. And he's all like this dummy. <laughs> Two hours. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even notice. That's funny. Uh, but he retired. Mm-hmm. It's not like he got, like that he lost his case and he got fired. Right. He starts off with this, in the, this book saying that this was the last case that he did. I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. But, it was because he was going to retire. He could have told him no. He could have been like, girl, I'm going to retire in like two months. Leave me alone. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Don't want to get him involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He stayed on until the case was done. Wow. He did what he oh, could. I feel and like. So Zany was a real person, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> Just not anybody that she actually knew. Uh-huh. Zany did file a defamation lawsuit against oh, Casey. Good. Which Zany lost. Uh-huh. What? How did she lose? Got thrown out. Did she have any repercussions from it in her life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Zaneda Gonzalez, Uh her entire name, she did have repercussions from it. Lost jobs and all that kind of stuff. And people thought that she, you know, was a kidnapper. Right. But, yeah, the judge threw it out or whatever. That's really sad. It's like, what what is on Mm -hmm. her side? to keep her mm-hmm. out of this well it was a lot of a lot of luck really because mm-hmm. i mean where she dumped kaylee wasn't far from her home mm-hmm. so 
the part that was lucky for her was that they had all these volunteers and the volunteer group told the police we searched this area mm-hmm. but the police never actually checked to make sure that they had searched that area they just took their word for it yeah nice and no one actually did really so if they had her body wouldn't have been as decomposed mm-hmm. they could have had some more evidence mm-hmm. well she'd been out there for a month in a swamp mm-hmm. in florida yeah <laughs> So it, they probably still would have found a very similar skeleton, but there mm-hmm. might have been more evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's very sad for Kaylee. Mm-hmm. Did you see a picture of this little girl? I did. She's a cutie. She is. Anybody that would talk about her would talk about how sweet and smart she was. She mm-hmm. wasn't even three years old. Yeah. She had 55 days to be exact before turning three. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just can't even imagine what she was doing, what she was thinking about. It was just kind of like this, the book I read that she was done. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm just like, you didn't want to be a mom. Okay. That seemed pretty, pretty clear. Mm -hmm. Just also from how she had changed with her fiance. Mm -hmm. Like you didn't want to be a mom. Your mom's threatening to take custody of your kid. Why are you even fighting it? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're not going to, like you're giving her up to strangers or adoption or whatever, which is still... A viable option. Mm-hmm. Yes. You don't want to be a parent. Yeah. But your parents want to take care of your daughter that you don't want. Mm-hmm. Why are you fighting so hard on this? Yeah. I mean, I guess you hate your mom that much. And some people are that way. Because she, she's just like not even sad that she's not, yeah. lost her daughter. It's oh, not yeah. normal. Uh-uh. No. She was never sad about it at all. Mm-hmm. Like whenever they would talk to her about it and it was always about mm-hmm. Casey whenever they w- would go visit her in jail and talk to her mm-hmm. always about Casey all right you know but this was definitely a really good book to to read just from Jeff Ashton's perspective mm-hmm. all right thank you for joining us for our transcript theater yeah <laughs> yeah thank you was, well I guess that's that's it for now until our next episode. Do we like murder? Case closed. Thanks for listening.